Good evening, everyone, and thank you for listening to Season 2 of the Culture Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and I am broadcasting from the cold, eerie tundra of upstate New York. In the background, you might hear occasionally the howling winds as they brush through the leaveless trees, as the snow covers and blankets the, the ground around us. You know, I've never really lived in cold climate, but there's something kind of mystical about it. I'm really excited to be able to do this podcast, at least the intros and our culture cuts uh, from this this snowy haven. So I hope you enjoy and I hope you don't mind as the wind howls in the background. I also want to take this opportunity to sort of uh, let us let you all have a little glimpse of what to expect in season two. This being the second season, I thought it would only be fitting for it to take on something of an Empire Strikes Back tone. Sometimes we might get into topics that are a little uncomfortable. Sometimes we might have some existential dread from here and there. I don't think that's uh, unusual given the times that we live in. But always we will try to have a silver lining and positive outlook, no matter how dire sometimes things may be. Today's guest is, I thought, the most fitting to start and kick off this new season. The day of this release is January 3rd, and many of you uh, do the whole New Year's resolution thing. And I commend you for that. And I commend folks even more if uh, you're by day three, you're still sticking to your resolutions. And if you're not, that's okay because most of us don't. And one of the big things that people tend to do around the top of the year is use it as a springboard to adjust their fitness goals, uh, reevaluate their relationships with food. And that's, that's again, it's commendable. But my, my guest today is here to talk about some of the misconceptions on that approach and hopefully will help some of you all avoid the pitfalls that we've all gone through. Karina is a personal fitness coach and nutritionist, and she's here to dispel some of the nagging untruths that tend to surround the fitness industry and our relationship and dispel some of the myths that have evolved from our relationship with food and with fitness. So I hope you all enjoy and that you've gotten out of this as much as I have. I wish you the very best on whatever your goals are for this new year. And if you stumble, that's okay. Why do we fall down? But so that we can learn to pick ourselves back up. So without further ado, my guest today, personal fitness coach and nutritionist, Karina. So welcome, first and foremost. When this podcast comes out, we will be just a couple days after the new year. And Karina... You know as well as I do that this is a time period when everyone decides I've put on too much quarantine weight because we like to pretend the quarantine's still happening um, and or, or whatever. And now is the time in my life when I'm going to make that change and I'm going to get in shape, right? We all, we've, we all do it every year. We make our list of resolutions that we never keep and fitness and nutrition always seems to be at the top of those lists. So, always. so why don't you give us a little bit about your background, and then let's talk about resolutions and the strength or weaknesses of them, and just in general fitness. Because um, look, there's a lot of people who are right now writing, you know, right now day two into their resolution if they've kept it up, 
right? But it's never in December. Resolutions well, don't start. Re resolutions never start in December because holidays. Right. So there's no point to start in December, right? Do you think that's a good approach, though? Do you think that that's a good approach to sort of no form like a, a hard date, like on this date I will start this? No, it's the same thing with like writing a book. It's like I'm gonna start writing a book tomorrow. And then you don't. Cool. And then you don't. And then you don't. And then it's tomorrow. And then it's tomorrow. And then you'll write something for a week and you'll be burned out and you'll be done. So so what is your background as it relates to nutrition and fitness? So I've been – I got into it really like a decade ago. Mm -hmm. And I started with – I was afraid of lightweight uh, – free weights. I was afraid of – anything that had to do with that. So I was more of safe cardio machines, some weight training, barely anything. And as the years went by, I got into more in the machines and started doing that and just started educating myself a little bit more. And I just ended up being that friend that always knew stuff. Mm -hmm. So everyone would be asking me what to do and how to do it. And that's been a thing for years now. And um, yeah. And then years passed, 2019 came around and looking back, I look at my pictures and I'm like, I've been in great shape this whole time. <laughs> Even when I gained weight, like when I thought I gained so much weight, I've still been in great shape. And then in 2019, I really gained weight and I got uh, 40 pounds extra. And that wasn't something that I've never experienced before. Mostly mentally, it was worse than physically. Physically, like I could feel my knees hurting. There were there were physical mm -hmm. issues as well, but mentally, it really messed me up. Where I did not see myself in the mirror, I dissociated with my body. I just couldn't. I just I was not there. Like there was the body, and there was me, and they were not together. Right. So twenty twenty came around. And I decided that, you know, I saw some pictures from our holiday for New Year's, actually, like that was actually the, that timing for me was more associated. I haven't, I haven't realized how bad it was until that moment, mm -hmm. until I saw those pictures. And I was like, I, that's, that's it. There is, that's it. This is, this is done. And 2020. I lost 20 pounds, wow. uh, 10 in one month, maintained it for another like four or five months, mm -hmm. 10 in another month when I became more consistent and stayed on top of everything and worked out more consistently, just was more on top of that. And then I had an ankle injury. Oh no. From, from working out or just in general? <laughs> no, I just <laughs> didn't see a curb and ate shit. <laughs> I wish, I genuinely wish there was a cool story, but I straight up felt in the parking lot, just face down. And that was, that was it. Do you want a cool story? You can steal mine. Cause I had a very similar experience. So very, for, so many years ago, uh, when I was still living in Austin, Texas for Halloween, I went as Dr. Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Nice. Now, uh, I've never worn heels in my life, but I am... I am, if nothing else, committed. And so uh, I have I have a fairly large foot for someone my height. I'm like a size, I mean, God, I'm not, I'm near a size 12 now, but 
I kind of fluctuate between like an 11 to 12, depending on the shoe and whatever else. But it's I, a big heel. Yeah. yeah, it's a big shoe, right? So I searched, and at the time I was working in shoes, but we had nothing in my because that's like a women's 13, 13 and a yeah. half. So I finally, at one of those, like, um, I don't know what they call them now, but like the penny shoes, you know, like the cheap shoes, pay less, what have you. Whatever. Yeah, I found a size 13 shoe open toe and oh I shoved my foot in there, toes like, like raptoring <laughs> over the end. And that was my shoes for this costume. And I had a great time, went to this bar that's no longer there. It's actually now it's an animal draft house downtown but back oh, then damn. it was okay yeah back then it was an old it was a former theater that had been transformed into a bar which now has been transformed into an animal draft house and as one does on halloween i got quite inebriated and my friend uh aaron pulls me away from making out with this random girl who wanted to take a photo with me uh consensually for all you weirdos on the internet <laughs> and uh she she pulled me away and and so we start walking back to her car and where she had parked was right by a church and you know, for whatever reason, it seems like sidewalks sit higher for churches. You know, I've noticed that, like the curve, sure. like sometimes elevates for churches. I don't know why that is. And I took a step off the curb, and I just as you did, completely ate shit, ripped my pantyhose, nearly twisted my ankle right off, and that was the last time I ever wore heels. So if you want to steal aspects of that story for your story. Do it. It's way more fun. That, that's definitely a better story. That's definitely a better story. I'm pretty sure I also needed a boot because up to this day, and that happened over a year ago, it doesn't hurt nowhere in the way where like it affects my walking. Mm -hmm. But every now and then I feel it. I probably should have gotten to the doctor, yeah. but I didn't. There's, well, I'm sure we'll talk about past war war wounds there's a handful of those that i can tell those same things so so you were dressed as dr frankenfurter after a party you step off a curb you hurt your ankle yep you, and then so i got depressed mm -hmm. and i could have you know stayed on the journey of no we're doing this i'm committed okay i can't work out what can i do right but i was totally emotionally broken by that and mm. i ate my feelings right and 2021 what year is this 2021 comes no one knows anymore and we're all I'm in the metaverse anyway actually right i'm actually two pounds heavier than my highest was in 2020 oh and i'm like this is fantastic <laughs> okay so we're back to square one Thankfully, the square one was not quite the square one because I've been working out. So right. it wasn't, I didn't look the same way I did a year ago, but it was still not comfortable weight. So this year did the same thing, kind of 10 pounds in a month, started losing it. And the worst thing was that um, in the end of 2020, I when I was still on that journey of getting back in my own proper skin and shape, I decided that I want to start helping people with that as well. So I got personal trainer certified awesome, and nutrition certified. So it was all official now. And here I am early 2021, just having that emotional thing hanging over me where I'm, who am I to teach people? Mm -hmm. Who am I to tell them if I'm in this position? So 
this year I lost 30 pounds. So far, there were multiple injuries. <laughs> there were multiple weeks where I couldn't work out, but Listen, stop dressing up like Dr. Frankenfurter until after <laughs> Listen, you're done working out. It's a good look on me. I mean, granted, it's a good but look. just watch out for those curves. Uh, so yeah, but this year the mentality changed in the sense of the mental thing that happened. I just couldn't see myself ever go ever in my life going through that again. I was, it, it really destroyed me and more so than physically. So now that I see myself more in the mirror and I feel more like myself, it just makes more sense. And I also looked at that whole journey as something that I can relate to people with because people who, you know, need to lose 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 70 pounds. I understand the fuckery in the brain that it comes with that I didn't before. And that's probably the majority of the battle, really. When you get into exercise and when you get into nutrition, it becomes a habit and you just do it. But battling your brain on that journey is the hardest thing really just being stronger than your own brain so getting that perspective is huge now yeah i i act i I really relate to that and and i'm glad that you came to the same resolution um or revelation that i came to listening to the story which is that when you ask the question who am i you're the person who's walked you've walked the the journey right like you've put the work in I used to work out at this place, and God bless them. They're lovely people, Lift Society, uh, Dave and Dylan. But Dave, and he's the nicest guy in the world. He's an excellent trainer. But Dave is Superman. He looks like Superman. He's always yeah. look, he's like he was a he was like a Division One wrestler. He he uh, he's he's chiseled from granite, you know. And he's been working out like his. He was telling me like his dad used to like pay him or give him treats if he would do a certain amount of like pull ups and what have you. Right. So like this guy's been a professional athlete his entire life. His own life. Yeah. Right. I am not, right? I'm the guy who read comic books and skateboarded a little bit and surfed a little bit and uh, was really wa- far more interested in girls than the gym and uh, wine and and not working out. Fair. And I, I went through a period of time where I was very heavily involved in working out. When when I was getting ready for my first, Wasn't it the ju- jujitsu, jujitsu. That was part of it, but it's actually it actually backtracks slightly before that. When I was getting ready for my um, my wedding with my first wife, I was uh, I, I was lighter than I am now, but I feel like I looked worse. And I think a lot of that was because I used to drink a lot more than I certainly do now. Um, uh-huh. I, I very much went through my Bukowski phase where I was like the tortured artist who had to drink scotch every night and what have you. And, um, and so I was very bloated looking and, uh, I'd gone to the doctor and he was like, dude, you're not really that healthy. You got to get it together. So she had started going to a gym first and then eventually convinced me to go. And the motivation was, well, look, you don't want to, you don't want to look bad for your wedding photos. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, that's motivating. Right. So that was my motivation. Those photos are forever. Yeah. And someone else was sort of pushing me along because it's not my natural inclination. And so, uh, so I went and I started losing weight and I got, I think I was like, I think I was like 175 then. And I got down to like maybe 165. I'd lost about 10 pounds. And, um, and I had always wanted to do a martial art and 
having lost the weight and having felt stronger and in better shape, it gave me that motivation to like really jump into it. So that's when I started taking jujitsu and gotcha. jujitsu is great for your, for muscles and cardio and weight loss and everything else. Cause it's resistance and it's cardio uh, intensive. And, um, so that went along for a while. And then again, to your point, like once you're kind of in motion, movement begets movement. And I started doing wrestling privates and I started doing, um, kickboxing privates and I was doing my jujitsu three or four times a week and I was going to work out every day. And on my days off, I'd go surfing and I'd walk four miles to work every day. And so at one point in my life, not so long ago, I had gone down to like 155 and I yeah. would wait and I would wait cut to 148 for jujitsu tournaments, which is a bad idea. We'll get to you. Um, well, you are shorter than me. I am short. Yeah, I'm five, I, I know that. I know that for sure. I'm yeah. a giraffe. Yeah, I'm only I'm only five seven. So like, you know, but I but I hold weight. I like to think fairly well. Like I'm I'm deceptively heavy. Even in even when I was at my lightest, people were like, "How much do you weigh?" I'm like, "I'm oh, 155." They're like, "There's no way." Like I I don't know what it is about my body's chemistry. Maybe you could tell me. But like, I am a deceptively heavy person, even though I don't really look it. Maybe it's because of the weight distributes evenly. You know, I'm starting to like. I mean, it also can be muscle, like realistically. Yeah, it could be. If it's just there. It could be. So, fast forward a little bit um, to my divorce, and as one would expect, <laughs> the I, depression hits. Depression hits. You're back to the wine. Back to the womanizing. Back to being out at bars and not sleeping. Not going to the gym, right? And and like you said, very depressed more than anything, and and all those things I just listed, you know, as as off the cuff as I'm lifting them, they're they're symptoms of me trying to overcome the sense of failure and depression that I'm going through. Yeah. Much like when you hurt your ankle, like that depression kicks in, and like it just robs you of all motivation. And when I wasn't out gallivanting around like I'm the second coming of Hank Moody, I <laughs> I would sit in bed and just lament my status in life. Like six months after I, uh, I got separated from my first wife, I got laid off from my job, which was a godsend because I fucking hated that place. But the environment was incredibly toxic for me and it added to my depression, especially after the separation. So yeah. short story long, I gave up on lifting weights. I gave, I gave up on jujitsu. I gave up on everything that wasn't just like immediately gratifying. Yeah. And one of those things was food. And food is definitely immediately gratifying. It is. And, you it's know, food is fantastic. I and love that's, And that's, yeah. And that's going to come up later, but that's the thing. People assume that, oh, if I'm healthy, that means it's not tasty when that's not the case whatsoever. No, quite the opposite, in fact, I think. Yeah. You, you, and once you retrain your t- taste buds not to have more of those higher fat, things food tastes even better right than it did the less you have you know processed foods the le- the le- the more you minimize processed food the better real food tastes exactly so so, so in that time period but there's a, around- yeah that, that, there's definitely like the un- there's definitely the instant gratification of the unhealthy ones right. that just because- hit just right because it's faster yeah. so yeah this is in 2018 we're now about to we're now in 2022 when this podcast comes out so you know it's been what four years and in that four years um you know i never really got back on track i went to jujitsu a couple times and the pandemic hits right 
Um, yeah. I just recently went back to jujitsu and I'm so gassed and I'm, I gained more weight. I'm probably close to like 190 now. Um, and in the end, I found myself, I found the biggest culprit was the stress eating, right? When I'm on set, when I'm producing a film, my breakfast burrito, and if you follow my Twitter, you'll see, I'll post about it. I love the breakfast burrito, right? But Tell me about that. It's I mean, a, breakfast it's, burritos are amazing. You can put like hash browns, you can put anything and everything in there. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. they're very high in calories. Yeah. One burrito. But also one, crafty is dangerous. I don't, I like, actually don't as, eat that much crafty. Thankfully, yeah. because I'm vegan, there's always limited options. And okay. usually what they have is fairly healthy. But, you know, refried beans and potatoes that are fried and just egg and avocado and a giant wrap and rice. Like, it's not that, I mean, you, you know, as you know, like, it's not like any of those things are inherently bad. But when you when you look at this, the sure volume of them yeah. uh, combined you could easily eat a thousand calorie breakfast and you do it every day. Plus what you eat for lunch, plus what you eat for dinner, plus the snacks when you do snack. But you, you know? guys are also running around. Somewhat. Like, but the insane but, people. Yeah, but my stress levels are so high that my cortisone yeah. is probably spiked and I'm not sleeping well, right? I, I average on filming, I average five to six hours of sleep right. if I'm lucky. So five hours of sleep plus high stress, plus high caloric, Shitty low food, nutrition, yeah. Yeah, and, and even my wife, bless her, she tries to make me breakfast. She she used to make me these little like a uh, chia bowls that I could take with me, so I would stop eating. And you know what I would do? I would get the burrito, and then I would also eat the chia thing. So I'm just eating more calories. So well, at least you're eating your wife's food. That's nice. Yeah, of course, always. That's one way to look the, at it, right? If she's gonna go through the effort of making it, the least I could do is enjoy it. But when people when people start thinking about weight issues i think that they're not always considering the external things and sometimes the internal things and maybe they're connected as to why we're gaining the weight are we getting enough sleep are we eating the right foods are we eating our emotions are we addicted to food and addicted to uh convenience um you know there are oftentimes reasons surely the quality of the food in America in particular, uh, which I'm sure you can attest to as well. Once you, you know, it's different. Here. It's for sure different. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons that people gain weight and they, they tend to, like you alluded to earlier, blame themselves. Like it's like some failure on their part without even really recognizing some of the contributing factors as to why we gravitate towards a less healthy uh, lifestyle. I feel like, well, whole health and wellness industry is just a dumpster fire, uh, mostly because of people. The issue uh, currently is people with a lot of followers mm -hmm. that are credible by definition of the amount of followers, not their actual knowledge, mm -hmm. are selling bullshit. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, weight trainers or uh teas that will make you poop for a week right. and of course you gotta lose weight right so there are all those things that people are buying into because of the lack of information because of the lack of an education and the association of health is with obsessive people 
who go mm-hmm. to the gym, who only like they're the people who are healthy are gym rats. Yeah. It's not that oh we should be healthy and sometimes do things. We switch the society where eating unhealthy is the norm right. and eating healthy is that a little niche of people that are weird. Right. Where that's that just needs to be it's not going to change tomorrow or like even in five years it's going to be a long process but that's the thing that we need to change is the relationship with the healthy food and just well, healthy think, lifestyle in gen- lifestyle in general yeah and you brought up something really interesting i watched a video when you were talking about uh the health industry and the the talking heads that are perpetuating most of these you know lifestyle changes and lifestyle yeah uh, quick, you know, hacks and what have you. There was a, uh, I, I don't know if you watch it, but there's a YouTube channel called Wisecrack, and they do a pretty good job of doing um, academic breakdowns of certain things. And in this instance, the 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 title of the video was "Why Are D- Smart People So Dumb?" And it it's talking more uh, about professional intellectuals, but it applies to what exactly what you're talking about within the health and fitness world academics historically criticized things. They criticized yeah. the world. They deeply analyzed it. They added nuance. They broke things down. They, they reveled, yeah, yeah, they reveled in the complexity of these yeah. topics. And over time, they got replaced with this uh, different sort of this different sort of position where they were no longer um, they were no longer questioning the very fabric of society, they were they were this sort of toothless hack salesman, right? And they they bring up this Dr. Cuddy. She was a lady who came up with the power pose. Have you ever heard of the power pose? Yeah. Okay. This power pose uh, was just research that she did with some pretty shoddy uh, analytics. And she surmised that if you could do a power pose every day, that you would raise your confidence and therefore it would make your position in the workplace more to your liking and you'd get the respect that you deserved and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Sure. The science didn't really back it up, but... <laughs> surprising. Surprising. But <laughs> she started getting invited to all these uh, speaking engagements. Of course, and, yeah. You know, talking to the Google employees and talking to the Facebook employees and all these big corporations because what she was offering with even if it was correct, right? Even if her even if her science wasn't bullshit, what she was offering was not a danger to the system that creates the environment by which people feel depowered at work. So they had no problem giving her six figures to come in and say, "Hey, you feel depowered at work. You don't. You don't feel the fruits of your labor. You don't feel like you have any sort of creative There's input. Do a do yeah. a power pose. Yeah. Stand like Superwoman, and all of a sudden, everything is fine, right? It makes five it minutes has a, a day. Yeah. exactly five minutes a day. It's all you need. Yeah. Uh, what's what's that joke? From, there's a movie was like five minute, six minute abs. What about five minute abs? No, that's ridiculous. What is that movie? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I'll have to ask Jess. It's a, it's a, it's a line from a, it's a gag from a movie, but yeah, it's a safe. You you tell me when you find out that sounds great. Yeah. It's a safe. It's, it's safe. to. There's no risk. There's there's no no risk risk to the structure. 
No. Right? The, the corporations that create this environments that make the employees feel like they're just cogs in a machine, that infrastructure is not threatened by the power pose. And yet, no. there is a placebo effect that happens with its employees temporarily by which they'll do their power pose. And there's probably some, some um, I don't know, uh, there's probably something to the power pose, even if it is the placebo effect. But it allows them to momentarily accept their their fate in life thinking that this hack will work when and and by by doing that they no longer question the very in, institution that is designed to make them feel powerless right so the the status quo is upheld people temporarily yeah. yeah yeah people temporarily have a, a a fix that makes them feel better for a bit and these these uh these intellectuals these idea folks they make a lot of money and and the cycle perpetuates right so if you take that example and you apply it to the health and food industry you know you're like the joke about this eight minute what what was the original was it eight minute abs i think it was something like that yeah i mean there's there are so many like the same thing with jillian michaels right that because she was a trainer on Biggest Loser, she's what she says is, you know, the golden standard, which what I love about her is she never, she's like, oh, you just read the research. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, why wouldn't you tell us the research? Just tell yeah. us the research. Just why, why won't you tell us? <laughs> because she does not have anything to back up her statements. So she just says things and she has 5 million whatever followers and people right. buy into her stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that I think that because there's a notoriety and a fame attached, right? Because I used to watch Biggest Loser with her and Bob and, you know, she's a tough love person. And yeah, fame kinda, gives authority. Yeah. And she doesn't Even really have to... Even though it's not correlated with knowledge. Exactly. And she can give you, like, the tough love stuff. It, and it might work for a little while. It might even work for some people. But there's because there's no deeper understanding, because she's not threatening uh, the food industry or the gym industry or any of those things or talking about mental health, because these things are not being addressed, people will maybe work out for a little while and then they slip right back into their habits because you haven't removed the actual devices that are that are potentially contributing to your unhealthy lifestyle. Yeah. Well, okay. no one wants to make the long-term change because it's always – it's and the same with New Year's resolutions that we're going back to that. It's always, oh, I want to mm-hmm. lose 10 pounds now. Right. Like I just want to do it real quickly right now. But the way people do it is not sustainable because they will cut – they'll do Whole30, which is a whole different, you know, mm-hmm. cutting out food groups that have nothing bad to to your body right. and they'll jump on that they'll lose some weight because obviously they're controlling what they're eating and they're moving more just by definition they right. will lose weight and then well this is over okay and they go back to the they're normal they're normal right and they gain it back yeah because their normal is a thousand calories more right so they gain it back Probably faster. Or sometimes even. more. Right. Faster, more weight. Yeah. That's the yo-yo dieting situation. That's the instant gratification. 
that leads to right. yo-yo dieting. People spend years, years in that cycle. And so, because no mm -hmm. one knows what to do once they lost it. Okay, I lost it. Yeah. Cool. What's now next? What? Yeah. So it's I found like, well, I, I found that again, eat normal again. Yeah. Yeah. So I found the the quote from the movie. It's from a the something about Mary, and it's like you've heard of this okay. eight minute abs. Yeah, sure, eight minute abs. The exercise video. Okay, think about it. You walk into a video store, you see eight minute abs in there. Then there's seven minute abs right next to it. Oh. Which one are you gonna oh. pick, man? And then he goes, yeah, it's, it's, he's like, bingo, you're going to pick the seven-minute abs. We're guaranteed just as good a workout as the eight-minute abs. And then he says, well, that's great unless someone creates six-minute abs. And he's like, that's ridiculous. No one would ever create that. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the health industry. And, and again, I think it's really important to know that if you're not um, – you're not – if you're not – understanding and working on other contributing factors. Like let's say you have depression, right? Yeah. If you suffer from depression and you do your six minute abs, seven minute abs, eight minute abs, whatever number of abs you want to do, and you lose some weight, good. Now it's possible that by virtue of the weight loss, it might help your depression and therefore you might be able to sustain. However, I mean, physical movement in general right. is proven to be beneficial, right? Yeah. 100%. However, if you're depressed because you know, you're in a crappy relationship. Uh, you feel you feel like you have no value to your job. Um, you're in abject poverty. Whatever it may be, if there are understand or you know, just even chemical makeup, right? If there's depression happening, yeah, you're it's still there. Yeah, you know, they like I, I I've never was necessarily addicted to smoking, but for a lot of people, they say you could quit smoking in two weeks. Anyone could quit smoking chemically in two weeks, but it's yeah, because your body gets rid of that added yeah amount of nicotine in your blood. Yeah, right. But the problem is the reason why so many people struggle with losing or for quitting smoking is not because they can't get the chemical out of their system. It's because they associate smoking with other things. My morning yeah. walk, my drive to work, a cup of coffee. It's the, it's the habit adding. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if you don't fundamentally, but to them, it's, those, it's 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 a reward because it gives gives them a little hit. So it's a positive thing in their day. And when there are so many stressful things, right, that's the positive thing that's there to support them. So they go back to it. Yeah. Right. So if you don't replace that Habit stacking, there's an actual term for that. Yes. So if you don't replace those things, you're going to eventually slip right back into the old habits. Same with comfort food, right? Yeah. If for me, in my instance, I don't find a way to manage my stress on set, then when that you know, on that chilly, brisk morning, when that breakfast burrito comes around, I'm going to grab it, right? Yeah. And it, the first time, it will be, oh, I deserve a treat. It's my treat day. It's my cheat day. And then cheat day becomes every day. And then cheat day becomes three meals a day. And then you're right back where you were, frustrated and demoralized. And people tend to throw their hands up until the next, you know, resolutions come around. The next new year comes around. And we do this and the cycle all over again. In the meantime, we give the fitness and health guru industry millions upon millions of dollars, and we never really address the circumstances by which we're living unhealthy. Well, also, you said uh, cheat food, and that mentality in itself is a huge issue where, mm -hmm. you know, there are even 
pictures with, oh, you need to walk on the treadmill for five hours to work out the Snickers. You don't need to. You need, that's, that's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's just bullshit. There's, there are foods that are more nutrient dense that actually, you know, provide value to your body. They bring sustenance. And there are foods that are not nutritiously dense. They're still allowed. They're mm-hmm. not like, yeah, if you eat them every day, there will be complications because of higher, you know, fat and uh, processed everything and stuff. But the whole mentality of black and white, and if I'm being clean, I'm only eating clean. I'm not allowing anything. And that's that's where binging can come in, mm-hmm. where, well, I've been so good for two weeks and I had McDonald's and it opened the gates that now there's no point anymore. I ruined all my progress and people go into binge cycle and creating a life. That's, that's the thing. That's the reason where it's not, it shouldn't be a diet. It should be a lifestyle change where yes, you still have McDonald's and you can still go get a Snickers. And there are a lot of people who debate whether, you know, diet soda is still the devil Like, if you want diet soda, and it can help you get through the day on your weight loss journey if you have, like, 50 pounds to lose, and it makes you feel better, drink it. Yeah. Just drink it. It's fine. Is it great? No. But will it be significantly worse if that's something that makes you slip because you're suppressing yourself from it? Same thing. A donut is 200 calories, 300 calories, if that. There was literally a guy on Instagram who did, I eat a donut a day and lose weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's only 300 calories. Your entire day can be healthy as fuck. Yeah. And it's not going to ruin anything. And and what physical activity are you doing? Because I think like a walk, a, a normal size paced walk for 30 minutes burns like 120 calories or something like that, something in that range. I honestly stopped tracking calorie burn a long time ago. Mostly because, yeah, watches can provide or, you know, Fitbits or whatever can provide some data, but it's so dependent on the weight, on, you know, how uh, your heartbeat, if you have any condition, like there's just so many variants in there where the bracelet will not just give you accurate representation. And it's just better to like, for example, when I lift, I don't sweat. Hmm. And people equate, you know, a good workout with sweat. Mm-hmm. And there were years ago when I was just so terrified. Well, I'm not sweating. So I'm not working out hard enough because I'm not sweating. And some people, you know, they just don't sweat during a workout. And some people do. And that's not a factor in understanding how good and how helpful the workout was or how many calories you burned. Right. So yeah, there's just, there's just so many variables and focusing on movement as a whole, not, not overthinking, or if you want to, you know, 10,000 steps is a baseline, right? Like everyone knows about 10,000 steps. If you want to just start there, right. Just that's it. It doesn't matter how many calories comes with it. It doesn't matter because the thing is, you're still 
eating in caloric deficit. And yeah, there are variations where you can eat more because of the exercise, but you're still like going to be in a caloric deficit. So, you know, overly, overly focusing on calories, um, on not calories on yeah. Calories burned right. is also can be, it can be a trap where like people obsess over it too yeah. much. Or it's like, Oh, I didn't burn 50 more calories. And it's like, you've been at the gym for two hours. You're fine. Yeah. Like you're fine. And yeah, a lot of people like hyper-focus on like food calories or workout burn or whatever it is. And it's just, it all goes to that same of I'm not good enough. What's the point? This is not going anywhere. And that goes back into, that's all, that's all cyclical. Right. And it goes, all of it is. Yeah. And it goes right back to what we were talking about. You're not changing the fundamental, um, body image issues that you maybe might be, you know, folks might be struggling with, right? So if you look in the mirror every day and you highlight your faults, what you perceive to be your faults, which is all subjective, of course, and you highlight the things you're unhappy with, or you're highlighting the things that you'd like to change, there's a healthy way to do that, I'm certain, but there's also an unhealthy obsession that can occur. And then ultimately your mindset is, I'm not good enough. So then when you start adding in your calorie counting or the hours you work out or whatever it is, you're not changing that. You're just being the judge of yourself. And when you judge yourself too harshly, you'll then give up more often than not. Yeah. What are some of the misnomers that you see in health and fitness that you'd like, if you could shake this out of people's mindsets if you could if you could wash this away from folks like what are some things when as it relates to either nutrition or fitness that are just like these nagging falsehoods bro sciencey things that that more often not trip people up than actually are helpful there is no instant gratification mm-hmm. that's the biggest one anyone and anyone who's trying to tell you otherwise is usually selling you something Mm -hmm. that you don't need. And that's a big issue of the industry. Another issue is, you know, everyone probably heard about that, the uh, 1,200 calorie Mm -hmm. rule. Where it's like, if you're dieting, you need to eat 1,200 calories. Well, 1,200 calories is barely enough for a four-year-old. Wow. Just for perspective, right? A grown-ass man or a grown-ass woman should not even in the dieting phase unless they're like literally like four foot tall (laughs) and they're the child height right and like that size no one should be eating that that little now is that gross or net um daily but i mean gross like because obviously you burn just by your normal movements you burn a certain level of calories because i i'm guilty of this where i would say okay I'm supposed to be eating 1500 calories, 1800 calories, whatever the number that the apps, you know, that you paid for tells you. And then I would work out to where when you add in my workout calorie estimated burns with my estimated uh, intake of calories, oftentimes I'd be netting out at zero or a hundred calories or 200 calories or whatever the weight loss occurred, but I can't imagine that that's good for you to be sitting. Most people will also be terrified to eat those extra calories because they're just scared of that Mm -hmm. because it's like well you know oh i'm eating even less so it should be even better process right and there are so many trainers 
that literally have their people, their clients on like a rabid diet with five days cardio, which unless you're about to run a fucking marathon, mm -hmm. you don't need that much. Like if you're just doing it for your own like cardiovascular health, just general well-being, if you don't have, that's the thing, the majority of the people doesn't want to become athletes, right? right? Like, and I'm just, I'm, it takes me a second to think about it every now and then because I have, you know, goals of bodybuilding and certain things like that, where the things that I'll be doing are very far from what would be considered normal, right? Mm -hmm. But most people don't need to become athletes. They don't need to, you know, run 30 miles a day. They don't need that. So what an average person just trying to be healthy needs is significantly less than fitness industry makes you think that it is mm -hmm. like you don't need cardio sessions on cardio sessions weightlifting is significantly not more beneficial there is benefit to both but overall as far as weight loss goes you're building muscle you're losing weight by having more muscle it helps you burn more fat mm -hmm. just chemical processes in the body right so um i lost it <laughs> well and I, and I know i know that there's some i i find this to be true more for women but there's this fear that if you use free weights or you lift oh heavy, it's terrifying that you're gonna get bulky that oh, you're yeah. gonna get like all like you're gonna jacked you know you're gonna look like one of those yeah. roided out wrestlers from the 80s <laughs> And that's not true. My dad, my dad thinks that when I tell him that I'm lifting and I'm pu pushing like 200 leg press and he's like, you're going to look like a man. And I'm like, first of all, fucking whatever. <laughs> if that's what I want, not that like, I don't need that particular physique. That's not my goal. Right. But if it was something that I wanted, that's something that I want. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it takes a lot of work to bulk. Yeah. That's just... Like people spend years achieving a pro like a certain physique. I don't know. Pushing twenty pound bench press is not gonna do it. No, and you like need it's to, not. You need to. It's eat not scary. A lot to get muscle. So much. You have to eat so much. Like I, I've known folks who are like professional or even amateur uh, fitness um, uh, competitors. Competitors. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And. The amount of food that you have to eat to put on that kind of muscle mass, the average person, even the like five thousand, yeah, yeah, even the average person uh -huh. who eats badly, like eats like McDonald's three times a week or three times a day, or maybe maybe you eat need, more than that, yeah, yeah, like you, you have to eat a shit ton of food, like a yeah. like to the point where it is undesirable to eat sometimes. Well, that's why those preparation things are usually they have a time bracket. Mm -hmm. They're usually up to 16 weeks because that's not a sustainable, people do it for an event. People right. do it to compete. They do 16 weeks of prep. They're done with it. And they just like, thank God. Okay. I'm a pro now. Cool. Yeah. I want my pro card. Let's go. And they go back to sustainable things because doing that is not long-term sustainable. Yeah. And also, if you know people who compete in fitness competitions, when they're on off season or they're on off time, they're not nearly as like anytime you look on Instagram and you see these people who have like abs on abs and veins coming out of their nether regions That's and all also that. Not healthy. They're dehydrated. Yeah, they dehydrate before those photos. And as someone who has cut weight many times, 
foolishly, and I do not recommend it, but as someone who has had to do water cuts to make weight for jiu-jitsu tournaments, those yeah. people in those photos cut weight. They're right? mis- they feel miserable, too. Yeah. That day. Yeah. Oh, my, my ex did a fitness competition once. And uh, afterward, I had to have a serious conversation. I was like, I can't, I can't, as the partner, can't go through that again because it was so mentally and emotionally taxing yeah. on her through that process. And she lost all the weight for the competition. She looked phenomenal, right? But the like the week of after the competition, she put all that weight right back on because you, you've you've legitimately starved yourself for these competitions. Um, and then your body naturally, especially if it, you're not a, a hardcore competitor, if that's not like a passion of yours, yeah, you're going to go right back to those old habits and then all that weight comes back in. Yeah. Same thing with me with like with me, when I weight cut, I never put on a ton more weight. You know, I'd maybe I'd go back. Actually, I actually never, ever got back to my original weight after a weight cut. But mm-hmm. it's because I was so active. I mean, you got to think about it. I was doing jujitsu three or four times a week. I was doing wrestling. Yeah, you were privates. just in the burning mode. That's all I was. I was yeah. constantly working out, constantly. But when I got out of that mode, and I went into like, I don't feel like working out ever mode. Then it was a slower progression, but yeah. eventually that weight came back on, and more a little bit more so because uh, I would I never my eating habits didn't change that much. Yeah, I was just working out tremendously less. I mean. I think that if if I calculate the hours that I spent working out, 5, 9, 10, 11, 12, at least 12 hours every week plus my walking to work every day, which was an extra hour five days a yeah. week. So you're looking at like – 20 in, hours. In, yeah. in my prime, yeah, up to 20 hours of hard – or of some sort of physical activity. Yeah. That doesn't count the odds and ends stuff that I did, but the, these are like the, the dedicated workouts that I did. So 20 hours of either weightlifting or martial arts or kickboxing or surfing, you can eat whatever the fuck you want because you're just burning like crazy. Like you don't even need to focus on it at all. Like it just whatever – it's just a bottomless bed where you throw food and it's just like, okay, yeah, energy. I need this for energy. Burn this. Yeah. Now, now, conversely, with my lifestyle is now I wake up at eight or seven and I immediately have work emails and maybe I do a meditation and maybe I take a stroll around the neighborhood when I have time. And then in the evening I get high and oh, here's the munchies. <laughs> oh, those damn munchies. It's, it's my life, my food, my, my relationship with food has not really evolved much this is like if i if i'm being very honest with myself my relationship with food has not really evolved much what evolved or perhaps from your from one's perspective de-evolved was that i stopped working out and and because i had muscle it was a slow it's like you were talking about earlier when you looked in the mirror and you got or you looked at a photo of yourself body composition yeah yeah it's a thing it's a slow thing and every and first thing in the morning you look in the mirror and like you haven't eaten yet. You haven't gotten bloated yet. And you can kind of still see your abs, you know, like if you, if you pull your shoulders up tight, like your chest kind of doesn't look like you're getting a dad bod. Like you could convince yourself for a long time that you're fine until Listen, you. Get- I love, I love the mornings when the apps say hello. I'm yeah. just like, today's going to be a great day. I used to have. Well, that's to- the thing. H- having abs throughout the day after food, like that means that you're in the, such a low caloric. Mm-hmm. intake where it's just not healthy yeah i used to have six i maybe have two or one and a half now 
that four. even in the morning, first thing in the morning, it's like, mm, maybe, maybe occasionally they pop out. Uh, but my lifestyle changed and I'm also older. Yeah. That's another thing that I think that folks don't always consider that they're older and it's harder in some regards. And there's some things that your body, unless you're putting like TRT or, or testosterone of some yes sort. And no. But it's it is in general harder. It also depends it's on. It's harder, yes. It's harder. Be- well, there there's just the thing is with health and working out and diet. It just it's such an it depends area. Mm-hmm. So those programs that are you know made for people to download in thousands and do a program together. Well, yeah, it might work for you. It might not work for me because right. that's not what I need. And there are just cookie cutters for every person. But the thing is, those apps don't see your medical history. Those Mm -hmm. apps don't see your sleep. They don't see your stress. They don't see none of that. And you might be following it to the T. But if you're sleeping for four hours, guess what? Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Yeah. You might be, like, doing a brilliant job, but you're sleeping you're not sleeping enough. Your hormones are out of whack because you're not sleeping enough. So you have this chemical imbalance in your body that's preventing you to get to the point where you want to get just because of that one factor. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just sleep. There's also stress. Like no one, no one focuses on those things when they're talking, oh, I just need to work out. It's like, no, like those things are crucial. Yeah. And yeah, it's hard to minimize stress. It's so hard because, you know, the thing is, the way our body reacts to stress, for example, we watch the news and there's, you know, the new uh, strain of virus or some war starting somewhere. And we might not, it stresses us out, right? But we might not think that it's a significant stress, but in our body, it's the same reaction as being chased by a fucking bear. Because the body perceives danger, it doesn't matter, you know, the type of danger, chemically, if you had a bear sitting across of you, ready to come get you, and having a stressful day at work, it's the same chemically. Sure, yeah. So, if you're living in constant stress with work and whatever it is, you might not think that it's a lot, but it is. Yeah, and those are those are those things beyond what they do strictly for your body. If you're not getting enough sleep, well, you're probably not going to want to wake up early so that you can go work out for an hour or whatever because you're yeah. tired. And yeah. then maybe you just don't feel the motivation to do it at all. So beyond what it even is doing to your body, which is significant, if you're tired, you're not going to feel energized to go spend that extra hour out of bed in in the gym, right? And then chances are, if you're not getting up earlier, you're probably not cooking, mm-hmm. which means you're probably going to pick up something quick yep. on the way to work, at work, whatever. And then you're going to do it next day and the next day and the next day. Well, and I'll tell you and a story. Yeah, I'll tell you a story that's, that's very quite embarrassing, but I, I, I do like to share it because I, hopefully it's useful to folks. When I still ate meat and... I, I caveat with this with to, to highlight that I've not gotten over this particular addiction, but I have an addiction to fast food. And um, fast food is fantastic. I love it too much. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was that person who wasn't getting up early, 
who was driving, you know, grabbing fast food on the way to work. And there was one particular day where I, I used to live near McDonald's. And so I. McDonald's is right across the street from us. Yeah. And there were many and 11 p.m. trips when the munchies would hit and would be like, Chicken Nuggies time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> chicken so, Nuggies o'clock. <laughs> listen, Chicken Nuggies and Chalky Milk are the best. So Absolutely. I pick up a breakfast Sponsored sandwich. by Grogu. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I pick up a breakfast sandwich and hash browns okay. and my coffee. We'll talk about coffee in a second. And then I ate it. I probably got two because that's typical for me. I probably got two sandwiches, two hash browns. Which, by the way, I've been doing since I was in high school because my when I used to go through the lunch line, I would always get two burgers, two fries, and my chocolate milk, right? So this okay. is – I, I want to highlight the, the, the longevity of these ha- eating habits that I've had. Yeah. I'm 40 – I'm nearly 41 years old. I've been doing this since I was in school, this double meal thing. So I pick up these two breakfast sandwiches, and I'm driving to work, and I'm still hungry. At least I think I'm still hungry. So guess what I do? I pick up another breakfast sandwich on the way. Then at lunch, I have to run an errand and I pick up a burger. And right after that, I get a call from my bank. They're checking to see if I have credit card fraud on my debit because card. Because it's too much. Because, yeah. So they read you back. Oh my you know, God. You know how they read you back like your past? Yeah. All of my. It's like, was it you? It was all fast food. Like the last three or four oh charges were all fast food. And that was a significant that was wake the call. up call. Now, when the bank is checking on you if you're yeah, okay. Yeah, bro. You're right, fam. Oh, my God. So then fast forward and now I'm vegan, which, which you know, I, I mostly became vegan because I just dig animals and kind of like them better alive than dead. But, but you know, the, the other thing was that it's a little it's a little easier to avoid certain things. Like I don't eat at McDonald's anymore because there's nothing for me to eat there. Yeah. They, they put they put dairy product in the French fries. I can't even have French fries there. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, they used to put there's... yeah they used to put beef tallow on the fries. They got in trouble for that. So then they replaced it with some sort of dairy derivative on the fries. There is the only thing at McDonald's that that you could eat that is a hundred percent plant based is I think the apple pie, which is not intentional. Just that's how crappy the materials <laughs> they use are. Yeah, apple pie and and maybe there's like one other thing, the salad if nothing else on it, but everything else from the buns to the meat, yeah, obviously the meat uh, to the yeah. French fries, nothing at McDonald's is vegan. So, okay, if you've got an addiction to McDonald's like I may have had, and now you're vegan, well, you okay. fixed it, yeah, yeah. Well then, 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 Carl's Jr. gets a Beyond Burger, and Burger King gets an Impossible Burger, yeah, and Del Taco has Beyond Meat. And and uh, Dunkin' Donuts has Beyond Sausage Biscuits. And now I'm right back with the same temptations that I had before, Yeah, only the vegan version. And because I've never corrected my relationship with food on a, on a long-term, um, in, a, in a long-term manner, I'm right back to fighting those urges to to go get that kind of food, right? To just go, you know, yesterday we went to go get Burger King because we were running around and yeah. we hadn't had time. It was easy. It yeah. was easy. And we were actually, ironically, we were on our way to the grocery store to buy groceries. <laughs> but we didn't want to wait for that process. So we okay, picked that, up a that burger. That is funny. Yeah, we yeah. picked up a burger on the way. And last night, after the burger, I'm asking Jess, what do you want to eat? And she's like, we just bought groceries. I'm like, do you want to cook? Because I don't. And she's like, like no, know. yeah. No. So we ended up ordering, you know, curry. So it's like, 
recognizing those patterns in the way we eat food and where we have addictions, that stuff is, is to me, uber important. And to your point, you don't have to make a crazy diet. You don't have to go on the cookie diet or the keto diet or the whatever diet or the vegan diet. You don't have to do any of those. Yeah. Just be mindful, be thoughtful, be present and understand when you make a food choice, even if it is that McDonald's burger, if we're doing stuff, I think, and feel free to correct me if you, you think otherwise, but I feel like if we're mindful and present in our food selection, more often than not, we'll make a better choice. When we when we eat out of impulse or convenience or hurriedness, yeah, at least it's for me, what, that's when we what's make, available. Yeah, we make worse choices. Well. Yes, but there's also a, a part of it where I've just been thinking where the coaching comes in. Mm. And the goal of coaching is not to sign you up. And I'm actually starting at Equinox in <laughs> January, and I'm very freaking stoked about that. There you go. If you're in the but, Los Angeles area and you would like to work out with Karina, she's Hollywood at Equinox. Hollywood Equinox. There you go. Hit me up. Yes. Um, But... Even just private coaching, not with a gym and not just for working out, right? The difference between a good trainer that I consider myself, right? The good coach, we'll call it, because coach is more accurate, and Mm -hmm. the shitty coach. The shitty coach wants to have you for years Mm -hmm. without educating you, but holding you there. And a good coach wants to educate you because... Like, if I have a person coming to me, I don't want them to be with me for five years. If they want to, by all means, right? But the goal is to spend three, six, nine months working on those habits, rebuilding those habits, being support system, Mm -hmm. being the reinforcer of that, the, you know, quote unquote, the bad days. Right. They're not bad, they're just life. And that's, and sometimes hearing it from someone who's not your family and who's not your friend is, has a different effect on the way you perceive that information. So just having that journey together where you're there for an amount of months, maybe a year, but when it's done, you have all the tools and all the resources, and you don't need anything else, you're set. Because you know, and even if not something, if the new information comes out, you know where to find it, you know how to separate the bullshit from, you know, actual research-based information that's accurate. So that's the key. Yeah, I And it's just, in the sense of the investment, that investment... Like, yeah, you do it for six months, a year, and then you're the rest of your life, you've got this. Right. So, like, is it, you know, a few thousand dollars well, really I, not worth that? And I find that when, when you come across good mentors or coaches or whatever you want to call it, um, even if the knowledge gets passed on to you, there's a loyalty that gets built because you know you're not getting bullshit. You know you're not getting yeah. sold a snake oil. You Like, you, you earn a trust with your clients and those clients will stick with you. I mean, there's but also caring. Yes. Caring. You know, these are the things that the society that we've built is so devoid of these things. Typically 
that yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to find someone who's genuinely interested in your progress. I mean, even when you think about your friends, how many of your friends check in on you and say, hey, how's your uh, weight loss going? How's your fitness going? How's your... I'm, I'm usually that one. <laughs> but there's few people, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I think that... Uh, because everyone's thinking about themselves and that's understandable, but people are just focusing on their own shit and just dealing with that. And And it's funny because... The traditional way that fitness people run their business is, like you said, reliant on them keeping their clients dumb, blind, and ignorant, and thus so they can stay them. forever. Yeah, right. Yeah. However, I would argue that because so much of what affects our health and our weight is is uh, buoyed on this the society that we've built. Right, that that much of what causes us the stress, the lack of sleep, the whatever, is this hustle culture. It's yeah. capitalism. It's consumerism. It's uh, the pressures and the and the atomization of society. It's the insulation. It's the not being able to show your emotions. It's it's all these other things that have nothing to do with weight loss on their surface, but they affect it. But they affect it. Tremendously. And if you or anyone as a mentor, coach, trainer, whatever it may be, can provide a genuine connection to your client, a genuine caring to your client, a listening and a sharing, then yes, maybe after six months or a year, they no longer need the technical knowledge that you can provide. But what you might find is that they need the emotional support that you're providing and yeah. that will actually help them better overcome some of their obstacles as it relates to their health, because you're actually addressing the core problem. It's not the calorie intake. It's, it's the, the genuine human connection with someone else that's telling you, Hey man, you don't need to like abuse your body and only sleep six yeah. hours so that you can appear to be a hustler or whatever the new term is. Like you don't need to do that. There's no value in that. But people are, we're in the culture where people are prioritizing money over health. Mm -hmm. And that's, well, there's also, you know, we're not going to get into the unsustainability of how much people are getting paid because that's a whole different issue mm -hmm. right because people feel the need that they have to have three jobs mm -hmm. to achieve the lifestyle that they want yeah. and that's that just sucks that just one word right yeah. like generally but because of that people are prioritizing making money over their own health so they find themselves 15 20 years down in their career feeling miserable Mm -hmm. with a nice bank account but they feel like garbage so is it worth it like is it actually like looking back you know like if you look back in your life and you're you know 40 and you can't walk up a flight of stairs is it worth it well and that's the key right because um i think i think one of the contributing factors to unhealthy lifestyles is consumerism yeah we feel like we have to consume all this shit we don't need. Therefore, we have to work the ridiculous hours. And buy more things, yeah. And, and I want to make a point. I'm not talking about people in poverty. That, I mean, there are some things, like we live in Los Angeles. There yeah. are some things by the nature of capitalism that are forcing us to work longer, harder hours just to get by. 
I'm not yeah. talking about that. I am talking about that many of us, myself included, oftentimes find ourselves locked into the allure of owning shit. I mean, I love things. Sure. I, love I things absolutely too. love things. I love books. I like toys. Yeah. And with adult budget, you know, a lightsaber seems way more real. Well, and, and the, you can buy it. Yeah. And the you problem, buy adult toys. And, and, <laughs> and despite what you might read on the internet, I am actually not a failed producer and I make pretty good money. And what I find that as I make more money, I feel attracted to buy more shit more I don't stuff. need. Yep. Because yep. to what you just said right there. That's the trap. It's it's not it's not that um, with what you said, the adult budget and lightsaber seems like a reasonable purchase. Yeah. It's, because we're all nerds here, right? Yeah. So our and, toys are very particular. <laughs> but, and again, you know, if you have the means, you should treat yourself from time to time. However, if those means come at the, at the, at the uh, expense of your health, then like one of the reasons why I don't, do first ading anymore i don't assistant direct anymore is because on average the average ad dies around 55 jesus yes yeah, frightening heart attacks mostly stress makes sense stress yeah. too much stress yeah tobacco a lot of times i mean i've been on sets and it's uh drugs this this needs to be there like, there needs to be a lot of changes happening in yeah the... i mean there was a time period in film where like doing a bump of cocaine to keep going was not that absurd. Like a norm. Yeah. It wasn't like people were crazy partying. It was just like, just to get through the day. Right. So if your lifestyle, if your consumerism is forcing you to work absurd hours that restrict your sleep, that increase your stress, that, that don't provide you the time to cook a meal or to meal prep or whatever it may be, it might be worth asking yourself what the value of that is versus your long-term health, you know? And then on the other side is the biggest, you know, being in the industry, the biggest thing is like, I don't know if I have money. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you go out for a nice dinner. That's a hundred plus dollars. Shit. Just Postmates. Not even a nice dinner. Postmates are like $60 for two people now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, say the package is $300 a month I know you have it I know you have it you're just choosing and even even if you spend $300 on coaching a month you still have money to go and buy shit and that's the key like you still have that money for instant gratification but then there is a budget that you invested in yourself You have been listening to part one of my conversation with personal trainer and nutritionist Karina. And we touched on a lot of topics as it relates to fitness. And most importantly, I think, is our relationship with food and our relationship with the the fitness industry and some of the different ways that it, it leads us astray. I think the most important thing to come away from this first part of the conversation is there is no one shoe fits all approach to health and fitness and health and fitness do not necessarily equate weight loss or muscle gain or muscle definition our bodies are wide and varied uh, just like everything just like every star in the universe is different so are we and it's with understanding those differences and understanding what makes our bodies work and operate at maximum health for longevity and for uh, functionality. And when I say that, I mean I actually do mean being truly understanding of, of what 
works for us because I do think that sometimes people will use that as an excuse to lean into their bad habits. So you have to look honestly at the mirror. But understanding that the pictures you see on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, those fitness models, of course, they do put the work in. But there's a lot of tricks to the trade to get that perfect that perfection in every image. It's angles, it's lighting, it's Photoshop, it's uh, dehydration, it's baby oil, it's tanning. I mean, there's a lot of things that go well, well beyond exercise. And in every instance, the most important trait that one can have when it comes to their health is be active, be, be mindful with your food choices, and most importantly, stay consistent. Even when you stumble... It's okay, get back up. The person who gets back up and continues, even if they've stumbled 100 times, is the person who's going to achieve their goals. And I want to thank Karina once again for coming on the podcast. The conversation was just going so well that we, we went a little long, and so I thought it best to chop it into two halves. So join us next week as we listen to the second half of my conversation with Karina, part two of Food and Fitness with Karina. Thank you guys once again. I hope you're enjoying your new year, and until next time, gold rings on you all. 